This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to get weight loss surgery? Have you fantasized about not being able to eat the amount of food that you want and fantasized about losing heaps of weight? You are not alone. Weight loss surgery is a growing option for losing weight and many people are undergoing the knife. But is it safe and is it appropriate for every person? Today, we're going to be discussing sensitive topics and submissions sent in by you on your experience or your exposure to weight loss surgery gone wrong and also weight loss surgery that's been beneficial. So just a trigger warning, there'll be sensitive topics, graphic information, and just make sure you take care after this episode. Welcome back to another episode of the What's Eating You podcast. My name is Stephanie Georgia. I'm your resident host and psychologist. And today is Monday, Monday. I love a good Monday because it's my podcast day and I feel really energized and excited to start the week. But we are starting with a pretty heavy topic. Now, this began because someone reached out to me on Instagram and asked my thoughts on this. And I feel as though my thoughts have changed over the years, I feel that I've had so much more exposure to weight loss surgery and the people I work with. So I want to share my opinion, but I ask to hear from you. Before we go into the episode, please like, follow, subscribe, take a snapshot, share it on your social medias, because all the exposure we can get helps us build this brand and builds awareness around the podcast. And you don't understand if you literally take two seconds to rate the podcast, it goes a really long way. So please rate it. Please follow, support me and my team. We love you guys. All right. A few people submitted their exposure to weight loss surgery, and the first person was an ICU nurse. Firstly, I want to thank you for your message, and I really appreciate you taking the time to send this and your concern for the people who may be listening to it. This nurse wrote in and said, I really felt like I needed to answer your question. Having witnessed so many people go through weight loss surgery, and I thought my experience might benefit you. I've worked in intensive care as a critical care nurse for about 10 years now. Over the last 
seven years, I've looked after many patients having the surgery. The surgery varies from gastric bypass, lap band, and sleeve gastectomy. I'm going to break down these surgeries before I go into the rest of this message. So basically, gastric sleeve and gastric bypass, they're both weight loss surgeries that help you eat less by reducing the size of your stomach. Now, there's a few key differences. Basically, with the gastric sleeve surgery, the surgeon permanently removes about 80% of your stomach. So imagine your stomach is a banana shape and they sew this smaller version of it by cutting out your stomach. So it gets removed, basically. There's no other changes. Whereas a gastric bypass, it's creating a small pouch by removing most of your stomach and the first part of your small intestine. Then they reconnect the newly created stomach pouch to the remaining small intestine. The part of your stomach that's removed is attached further down the small intestine, so it still provides the acid and digestive enzymes produced by these organs. The portion of your small intestine that's removed along with your stomach typically absorbs some nutrients and calories. Since food no longer passes through this section, those calories aren't absorbed, contributing to weight loss. Now, the lap band surgery, which I believe is used less in this day and era, is also used to help someone lose weight, and it involves putting a ring around the top part of the stomach. The ring slows the entry of food to the main part of the stomach, and the person feels full after eating a small amount of food. The lap band is reversible, and I do believe the gastric bypass, which is the redirecting the stomach and intestines can be reversible, even though it's not commonly done. Whereas the removal of the stomach in the gastric sleeve, that one is not removable. So just imagine you're replacing your stomach with a sleeve. Okay, back to this submission we received. Initially, I was in the mindset of feeling hopeful for these patients that they were making a change for their health, as I'm sure they have tried everything and this was the last resort. Then as time went on and after speaking to many people, often they had not tried other options, led unhealthy lifestyles, and often mental illness went hand in hand and was often untreated. A lot of patients did not seem fully informed about the risks and long-term effects of this type of surgery and often would wake up feeling regret when they realized how much pain they were in, the tests involved, such as a barium swallow test, the feeling of being hungry but not allowed to eat, the long-term vitamins they needed to take, and the list goes on. I would say half or more patients seemed to regret their decision, which obviously made change which obviously may change once the initial post-operation pain and nausea wears off. But I wonder if the surgery ever truly, quote-unquote, fixes their struggles, their mental health, their body image issues, etc. It then became very apparent that patients who were very young and not even that overweight were having this surgery. The youngest person I came across was 17 years old. This is so concerning, and at the time, I questioned the ethics behind a surgeon's decision. Was there profit? Reputation? It's scary. I've come across many women who haven't had children but want to in the future, and also young men who are not even that overweight and have no comorbidities and therefore no reason they wouldn't be able to exercise and eat well to lose the weight if that's what they want. I also did hear that some surgeons have worked out that people can withdraw their superannuation early 
because they can be diagnosed with a quote-unquote terminal illness to say if they don't have this surgery, they could potentially die, which this just astounds me and I believe is targeting people in a very vulnerable state and often not thinking clearly due to depression, anxiety, body image issues. I've also witnessed some horror stories, complications, bleeding, infection, anaphylaxis, long-term complications due to lack of vitamins, so hair loss, and the list goes on. I understand there is any risk for surgery, but I feel like patients were not informed and saw it as a quick procedure, which it's not. It's major abdominal surgery. Wow. I feel so passionate about this. I know so many of my colleagues all feel the same, and we often discuss our concerns with one another. That is fantastic that you are discussing your concerns and that you are sharing that with your colleagues. Super important to debrief on these topics. Let's go into the statistics because there is so much to unpack here. And I do want to say there are positives, but there are negatives. We must share light on. Studies show that up to 30% of bariatric surgery patients may experience a transfer addiction. Now, the reason I believe bariatric surgery can be detrimental to some people is because they go into the surgery having unresolved mental health conditions. I'll talk about what I think is an appropriate candidate for this type of surgery, but many people go into this with, I guess, what we can label as a food addiction or a binge eating disorder. Some people have a good response, but 30% of people trade a food addiction for another dependence. I have seen this and I have heard of this. For example, people may develop more of a dependence on alcohol or drugs, and it comes down to that addictive behavior regardless of whether they have a food addiction. So although bariatric surgery is generally effective, a substantial portion of individuals who undergo bariatric surgery have suboptimal weight losses and continue to struggle with obesity, which I found very interesting. And what was extremely sad that I read was many people who don't lose weight or they continue to struggle with obesity They go left untreated because they're so embarrassed and ashamed that the surgery was a failure that they don't actually go back to their doctors to discuss it. So many people have this surgery, walk around being left untreated and don't go back to their surgeons or doctors because they are embarrassed and mortified that it essentially hasn't worked. Why does this happen? Well, the research goes into a diverse range of factors appearing to influence post-operative outcomes, and this can be Problematic eating behaviors such as binge eating, disordered eating, picking, nibbling, addictive type of personality or food addiction. So what this means is there are undiagnosed eating disorders and these people are trying to get a physical solution to help manage their eating disorder. Okay, so who is this surgery for? Now, I have had people come to me after a surgery and I've had people come to me before a surgery who haven't even contemplated it. So I, I have had people who struggle with their weight, they are morbidly obese, and they come for psychological counseling to work around it. And what's really interesting is not everyone who is massively overweight struggles with binge eating. A lot of overweight people have actually had trauma. And this physical weight serves as a barrier or a protective layer to keep people at a distance. They've either been 
catcalled by men or they've been traumatized in some way. So the weight gain is essentially a barrier, a protective mechanism to want to be as intimidating as possible or to be what they describe as unattractive as possible so people do not bother them or get in their vulnerable space. And essentially it works. It works. They get left alone. People don't try to make advances with them from what they've reported, etc. So I just want to highlight that not all overweight people have an eating disorder or struggle with binge eating. They may actually just make poor food choices that are high caloric, but it doesn't mean they're eating an excessive amount of food. Now, many people who do get surgery before seeking psychological support, I believe can lead to the most problematic outcomes because if you don't address your body weight image concerns with a psychologist who has expertise in the area, I think going into surgery can be a big wake-up call and not get the results you desire. For example, let's take body dysmorphic disorder. This isn't an eating disorder. It is under, I guess, the obsessive and compulsive category, but people with body dysmorphic disorder have a preoccupation with a perceived flaw, or they might have a minor flaw in their appearance, such as thinking their nose is really big, thinking their legs are really large. It's more than being fat or thin. It's more about the image and a body part. These people will get surgery before they get therapy because they think it's a physical problem. And I think this is what can happen in bariatric surgery. People don't recognize that their eating or their weight gain is driven by psychological mechanisms. And I believe therapy can be a beautiful place where you can unravel that and figure it out. And only then when you're in a more stable position and you have resources and you have a strong mindset, then you can undertake bariatric surgery, right? Because I have also seen people come out of bariatric surgery and they're like, I'm not exercising. I'm drinking more every night. I'm not really losing any more weight and that's okay. You don't have to continue to lose weight, but it doesn't magically resolve low confidence that people expect it to. Wait, before we go into the remainder of this episode, I have to tell you about something so cool that I want you to be a part of. I was getting inundated with questions about how do I manifest my dream life? How do I attract lucky girl syndrome? What if I have anxiety? I can't concentrate. I procrastinate and I needed to do something about this. So I unleashed my unchaining your brain method in the form of an online course. So over the years of becoming a psychologist, I have developed the ultimate method that helps you attract your dream life, relieve anxiety and rewire negative thoughts in your brain. Imagine if one strategy could help you change the way you think, feel, and respond to situations forever. Well, now it can. I am starting the Unchain Your Brain course. These are four easy modules which you can do through your own phone or computer. Our next Unchain Your Brain program starts in the next two weeks, so make sure you don't miss out. Click on the link in the show notes to find out when the next course is, and I cannot wait to see you there. Now, I'm going to read another entry from someone. Here is my experience with both weight loss medication and weight loss surgery. It's a doozy, so disregard anything boring or irrelevant. 
Okay, medication. It's fair to say that I loathed my body my entire life since I was a teenager. I was a chubby kid from the age of eight. My beautiful mum showered me with love and food at an abundance. Family would always comment, she's so pretty if she could just lose a bit of weight. Once at my grandparents' house, my nan made me a banana sandwich and sprinkled a little sugar on the banana. My grandfather commented, sugar on a banana sandwich? No wonder she's 15 stone. I was 10 and I wasn't 15 stone and I've never forgotten that. People of the podcast, words hurt. Children hear words and it has a 10 times effect on them than when they are an adult. Be super mindful about what you say around your kids. Even if you try to model healthy behavior or sugar or that sort of topic, be so mindful because words stick and they don't forget those words. Okay, rant over. My love-hate relationship with weight loss medication started at 14. This was back in 1991. I've always struggled with my weight and my aunt, who was no, not even huge, found this weight loss doctor. He was offering a weekly program where you received an injection for seven days called Tenuate Dozpan, or if that didn't quote-unquote agree with you, he would give you Duramine. Oh, the good Duramine. Anyone who doesn't know, Duramine is a weight loss medication. It's basically like taking speed and taking an amphetamine and it stops your appetite. It can give you suicidal ideation and you basically don't eat because you're awake and you don't sleep. Yeah. No formal prescription was given. He simply wrote the medication on a post-it note with the dosage and number of days you went to his participating chemist to pick up your seven days of tablets. The visit was bulk billed and you were charged $15 for the consult. This is pretty cheap. To this day, I have no idea what the injection was, but there was some speculation. It was some synthetic version of the urine from a pregnant horse, which was thought to help speed up the metabolism. How dodgy was this? Wait, what? You inject from pregnant horse? You were injected with pregnant horse urine to lose weight. And you know what? I bet everyone's thinking here and they're like, well, you know what? If it worked, I wouldn't say no to it. Yes, because we're all effed up from diet culture. This went on for around two years until I stopped going to this doctor. From memory appointments were getting harder. So I discontinued my use of the medication until I was 18 and could source it for myself. It was then I began doctor shopping as my GP would only let me have a month's worth of the medication to help me get started. And this is the thing, no hate to doctors or medical professionals, but the reason people struggle with weight loss long-term is because they're literally just handed something to give them a kickstart. You know what? Start this medication, do this pill, do this injection, gives them a head start. But what happens after that head start is over? There's no education. There's no continued care. And I think that's where the biggest problem lies. What was your experience? So this lady who had the horse urine medication said the results were astounding. I was losing around two kilos per week and the weight was just falling off me. Sounds great, right? In the euphoria of feeling artificially confident. I love that. Artificially confident. So true. It's like honeymoon. I'll go into the honeymoon in a sec. And successful, the physical and mental health aspects are totally ignored and pushed aside as normal side effects. 
The ability to eat is physically impossible. Just the thought of eating is repulsive, let alone the ability to eat. So yes, the way these medications work is they essentially suppress appetite, which I have a massive issue with because appetite is a freaking normal thing. You're meant to feel hungry. You are meant to eat. And anything that suppresses your appetite, the minute you stop suppressing it, you're going to eat again and you're going to gain the weight back. So if you're listening, be mindful of appetite suppressants or anything that advertises to suppress your appetite. Back to this woman's message. The side effects started as the total and complete inability to sleep, energy just coursing through your veins and mind racing at a phenomenal rate. The need to be constantly moving and doing something is so hard to resist. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it had a methamphetamine effect on you. The problem is that this does not settle down ever. You survive on two hours sleep a night, get up and go to work, finding it hard to concentrate on your job. I am a teacher. So the extra energy was fabulous until it wasn't. I'd get up at 3am and my midsection thighs with glad wrap and walk around the house on an hour on the treadmill. That's so far from normal that my mind spins now. And if you're listening to this, just reflect back on some of the crazy stuff you did. I don't know why, but wrapping yourself in glad wrap was a thing or wearing those wraps where you sweated profusely. And listen, everything comes at a cost, okay? If you're on a weight loss journey, if you're on something extreme, it is going to come at a cost. And that honeymoon phase, I call this the the diet honeymoon. In the first two weeks, everyone feels amazing because their body's doing something different. They're like, oh my God, this is the diet. This is the one. This is everything I've been waiting for. That honeymoon phase is going to stop. So don't be blindsided by it. Just continuing, she said, your body becomes so worn down and tired, but you can't rest. Emotional mess, constantly feeling sick, raised blood pressure and heart palpitations. Wow. She even said she invited a guy over and got so annoyed with something he did. She slammed the door on his face, almost breaking his nose. And I am the most non-confrontational person ever. I don't like arguments. Wow. Okay. So this injection medication turned me into something I'm not, a confrontational, rage-filled, raving lunatic. Yes, I imagine it would probably impact your hormones too. Okay. So I asked, what did you learn from this? And she said, you'd think I would have learned from this, right? Sadly, I didn't. The allure of a quick fix was just too addictive. And I turned to the medication on and off until I was 25. However, I learned to work the system. If I only took it every second day, the side effects were still there, just not as bad. It wasn't until I met my husband at 25, a horrible breakup previously with my ex-fiance, that I started to like myself and feel worthy. Yes, if you're listening to this, date someone who makes you feel worthy and loves your body at all shapes, sizes, and seasons. But I always saw myself as the fat girl. I broached the idea of trying diet pills again with my husband and he absolutely did not agree with it. He knew my past experience and gently steered me away from diet pills. It wasn't until he told me he was scared of the effects on my heart and the fear of dying that I finally put diet pills in the past forever. Yes, be mindful of diet pills. They increase your heart rate and they can lead to so many other health conditions. Would you recommend this to others? Never. I can't even express this enough. I honestly feel they should be illegal, most illegalized speed and shouldn't be available at all. That's another thing I've learned is so many women and young girls are turning to drugs for weight loss. They're turning to drugs to suppress their appetite. They're turning to drugs to 
be out all night. They don't have to drink and get the calories from drinking. But again, everything comes at a cost. And if you're going to mess with the dopamine in your brain, you are messing it and you are going to feel depressed. You're going to get increased anxiety. It's not worth it. So how is her relationship with food now? She said, it's still not great, but I'm more accepting of my body since I turned 40. I'm not obsessed with being skinny and having a hot girl body. The time is long gone. I'm still overweight, but my focus in trying to maintain my health to make sure I'm around for my son. But it doesn't stop there. By now, you're probably thinking, this girl couldn't get any crazier. Well, she does. Okay, let's go down the surgery path. You can see from the long-term battle with my weight, body image, and dieting. My mom saw an episode of Dr. Phil, of all things, on gastric banding and told me about it. I was pretty offended and upset, but I thought I should look into it. I attended an appointment with my husband in tow, scared and totally terrified of the receptionist, doctors, and professionals and what they would think of me. The specialist was the most lovely guy. He was down to earth. We discussed the process, and before I was approved, I would have two appointments with a dietitian and two with a psychologist to make sure this was right for me. And if you're in our Facebook group and you've experienced this, I'd love to know when it comes to weight loss surgery, have you been required to speak to a psychologist? There was also an agreement that I'd have two appointments with the dietitian and psych after surgery. Should I be successfully accepted? Okay. So she had to go through an accepted process. You have to agree to do a liver shrink diet for the first two weeks. I lost seven kilos, which the doctors are really proud of. Yeah, so with a lot of weight loss surgery, you have to go on these low-calorie drink diets. Apparently, it makes the liver healthier, and that is a challenge for most people because many of these people have come from diet culture, and the idea of doing shakes for two weeks is just traumatic. I was successful, and on the 17th of December, 2009, I had gastric banding done. I chose this date because it was right before Christmas, and if I made the excuse that it was Christmas, I'd just make excuses for the rest of my life. Surgery was easy to recover from. I had to be on a liquid diet for two weeks and then on the puree. The following year, I lost 52 kilos in the 12 months of surgery. I felt amazing. The doctors were also proud of me and asked me to come and speak at their information nights, which I was, of course, proud to do. The program was all based on positive reinforcement and acknowledging how well I did. I'd gone from 132 kilos to 82 kilos and I felt fabulous. My BMI was 28 and my specialists were proud of me. All right, the downside, because I want to remind everyone, just because you hear weight loss surgeries and the success, it doesn't mean it's for you and it doesn't mean it doesn't have downsides. For a time, I grieved for my fat self. In November 2010, I got gallstones and had pancreatitis. I went to my weight loss specialist and they said it was common after weight loss surgery and removed my gallbladder. The surgery was hard to recover from. Another issue not commonly known about it is after weight loss surgery, if you don't chew your food till it's barely still food, it gets stuck at the band site. So this is called plugging. And this is when if you don't puree, if you don't chew it, it actually like plugs and it gets stuck and it can get stuck for hours and it can get very, very uncomfortable until it either goes down or you throw it up. And also this is when people can develop eating disorders because they learn that throwing up gives them relief. Now, from the 24, 12 to 24 month mark, I maintained my 52 kilo weight loss. And around the 24 month mark, we were on the way to a friend's place about an hour from us. And I felt like I was having a heart attack. I of course ignored it and got on with my weekend and went to my GP on Monday. It turned out I had severe reflux caused by the band 
Reflux is a big one I've also heard about. I had all manner of tests done and I was put on an anti-flux medication to no avail. I returned to my weight loss specialist and he said that I couldn't live with reflux like that as it's too painful and dangerous and he took all the liquid out of my band so it would go back to its mostly pre-surgery state and size. I was devastated to say the least. I was struggling with maintaining my weight at 82 kilos for six months before I completely self-sabotaged and went back to old habits. I didn't return to my weight loss specialist for follow-ups, even though it's encouraged over the, the last year because I was too ashamed that I failed. And this was what I was talking about. Over the next 10 years, I slowly gained back 30 kilos of the 52 I'd lost and I hated myself from it. Wow. I've got goosebumps. Thank you so much for sharing this story because as someone tells this story, I imagine you would get so much reinforcement. Wow, you lost this much weight. Oh my gosh, you lost all those kilos. But then there is so much shame when people regain the weight. And what people don't realize is to lose this weight, it's often disordered or it's often not practical. So I asked, what did you learn from this? And she said, I learned that my weight issues are due to my self-sabotaging psychological state and are completely related to how I feel and view about myself. Tick. Well done on figuring that out. All the pills and surgery in the world aren't going to fix my relationship with food. Amen, sister. I have to change how I deal with my emotions and how it relates to my relationship with food. That is easier said than done. 100%. And it takes years. It takes daily decisions to get there. I said, would you recommend it to others? Yes. If you acknowledge it's a tool and not a fix. It's a fabulous tool, but that's all it is, a tool. If you aren't in the right headspace, you can have all the tools in the world and it won't change a damn thing. You have to be psychologically sound before anything will stick. How's your relationship with food now? I asked. Still a struggle every day, but it's not so much about how I look, but about trying to make good choices to prevent health issues and live a long life. Currently back on the dieting merry-go-round. Any words of wisdom you want our listeners to hear? Get your head right before you consider anything drastic like surgery. There's a lot of people that don't talk about it and it can hit you. But if you are fully prepared and you're right in the head, it's an option. Thank you so much for sending that in and discussing it. That was an incredible story. And I think it just highlights that what you see on the internet, what you see in the media isn't always a perfect picture. Whatever you do, it's going to be hard and there's going to be complications. And that weight loss surgery isn't this easy thing to do. It is really hard. And if you go in there with a maladaptive mindset, maladaptive coping, it's not going to fix the problem. And you'll be on this cycle for life. I really hope this woman is in a better place and I hope she does get the psychological help she needs. But just a reminder that it all starts from your mindset. This is what I talk about in my book. Even though my book isn't focused on weight loss surgeries, what I do talk about is healthy behaviors and wellness behaviors. And the behaviors you do every day will determine your body and your relationship with food so much more than the crazy diets you go on. So if you want to grab a copy, you can have a discount, Freedom 20. But let me know in our Facebook group, what did you think of this episode? What did you resonate with? What did you take away from it? And if you feel comfortable sharing your experiences, please do so. Hope you're all okay after that. If you need to debrief, please do with someone. But 
on a positive note, know that your body relationship can improve when you decide to improve it. And it takes time, but make sure you surround yourself with people who are positive and who don't fixate on losing weight and dieting because who you surround yourself with is who you become. Take care, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll wait to hear from you in the Facebook group. Have a lovely week ahead and I'll see you soon. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.